Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. Every episode, we explore this topic with men and women who have some incredible stories, and many have made sharing the reality of life after death their life's purpose. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And I am thrilled and even have goosebumps to share um, with who our next guest is. We have Anne Frances Ellis, Ph.D., and she's just a beautiful woman coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Anne. Anne feels she's been guided all along the way to write Revelations of Profound Love. This is her book that's now available. It is based on her doctoral dissertation, which examined 478 near-death experiences to learn about the love reported so often by those who return from heaven. She also compared what near-death experiencers reported with the texts, primary and secondary, of three world religions. She was able to find evidence of all the above conclusions within each religion. She believes it is likely that every world religion has 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 re, re, realized. Sorry about that. These truths. She has degrees in mathematics, computer science, divinity, and her PhD is in religious studies, comparative religion. Anne is also a licensed minister. Her first career was a computer systems programmer, database system researcher, data communications network manager for the U.S. Navy. Her second career was, at a, was as a hospital hospice chaplain. And her third career is owner and author of Trail of Hope Publishing. And she's got a phenomenal video on YouTube as well. And on our website, We Don't Die Radio, I'll put all the links to Anne and her video. So without further ado, welcome to our show, Anne. Hello, Sandra. I stumbled over my words a little bit, but that's only because I'm excited. So thank you for bearing with me. No problem. Oh, so tell us a little bit about you. I I explained all of that, but what a what kind of a a woman goes into doing all of this and and creating um, this book and go researching near death experiences? Who who does that? Well, I feel like my whole life has been preparing me for this. From the time I drowned when I was two. Wow. <clears throat> which I had a near-death experience at that time. And then my father died when I was eight. And it just seems like my whole life has been centered around grief. Mm -hmm. So I wondered, you know, why I chose a life like this. Well, I didn't put it in those terms then. (laughs) Right, I know. You were in heartache then. Yes, and... When I was in seminary, one of my advisors said, well, it seems like your whole life has been preparing you to work with death and dying and to help people who are dealing with these things. And all of a sudden, it all fell into place in my mind. I could see every single thing that happened in my life preparing me to help other people deal with death and dying. 
and I did become a chaplain for a while, and then I wrote my book, wrote the dissertation, wrote the book, to help people know what I've discovered from studying near-death experiences. Do you remember what your near-death experience was at the age of two? Well, I do now. I didn't. Um, when I, I'm, I'm retired now. I'm mm-hmm. 70 years old, so I don't feel that way. I don't think we ever feel how old we are. We're still the same youngsters in our minds. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, about four years ago, a, a friend of mine who was psychic, I, I love to hang out and talk to people who are near-death experiencers oh, or sure. who contact the other side. And I have a group here in Tulsa that meets monthly called Near Death and Other Mystical Experiences. It's associated with the IANS organization, mm-hmm. the International Association for Near-Death Studies, uh, on the internet, org, And... This group has been meeting here, and one of the people that came to it was very psychic, and she called me up one day between meetings and said, Ann, I'm getting some information coming through for you. And I said, oh, good, what? (laughs) And she said, you drowned when you were two, and you didn't come back into your body until they had taken it to a hospital in an ambulance. Wow. And when she said that, it was like, oh, my gosh, this will redefine my whole life again, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon me. And I didn't have anybody to ask. My parents were dead. My aunts and uncles were gone, not dead, <laughs> had made their transition. They were on the other side. Sure. And... Uh, Another friend, Linda Jackwin from the IANS organization, said, find somebody to regress you and see if you can recover any memories. And I did, and I remembered little vignettes of this experience. Mm-hmm. My, <clears throat> my anxiety when my hands were slipping off my father's shoulder as he was wading into the raging river carrying me to show me the rapids, and then everything going every which way, and then being out of my body in a bright place, a a bright yellow place, and a beautiful lady was sitting there, just like Glenda the Good Witch of the East. Aww. (laughs) That's happy. Okay. Yeah. She was a wonderful person, and very beautiful and very kind, and she just talked to me the whole time. So I was removed from the trauma of what was happening to my body. And I remember saying to her, it's harder down there than I remembered, which is interesting for a two-year-old to say. Of course, I had uh, verbal abilities, while I was talking to her, mm-hmm. and or maybe it was telepathic. I don't remember that part. And um, then I got these pictures, 
and realized that my father would be devastated if I didn't go back. And then I got a little vignette of flying over the ambulance as it took my body. And then I was in a hospital room. It was all gray with white sheets way back in the 40s. (laughs) And uh, nobody was there. And all of a sudden, my parents come in, and they are overjoyed to see me, (laughs) which was a really wonderful experience Mm -hmm. to relive that because of course if they're gone you get to see I didn't remember my parents ever being that happy to see me (laughs) (laughs) so you know that that whole regression told me so much and then later I had questions well what what body of water was this you know where were we when was it so I had somebody else regress me and I got that my parents had taken a picnic on the um, Great Falls, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., and the Potomac River has the rapids there, and that he had been waiting in those rapids to show me. Oh, so interesting. There's so much stored away in the recesses of our minds, and you know, I, I actually took a course on hypnotherapy once to prove that it's not real, only to prove the opposite, and... Uh, there's nothing scary about it. It's just as if we're waking up in the morning or just before we go to sleep at night, we're listening. It's just, it's just that wonderful state and you don't have to cluck like a chicken or, you know, any of that kind of craziness, but there's so much that can be retrieved and it's awesome. And I, and as you were telling me this story, my mind just flashed back to a guy that I met on an airplane and he had never told anybody this story um, and he had a lot of guilt because his youngest son had drowned. He was revived, but he, he just never let go of the guilt. And when he told yeah. me why and what happened, it's a similar story. The kid had drowned, was you know rushed to the hospital, and he was revived um, in the process, of course. But when the, fi- the kid finally came to and he was talking to the dad the kid was maybe three or four years old and the kid tells the father he's like well daddy I was okay because the big face was there and he was talking about the big face in the sun and the big face said it was okay and that I would come back and see you daddy but don't be scared and so just you know this man's telling me this story in the airplane and I ended up getting him to release the guilt because out of that, this kid is now an adult and he's making his life's purpose about helping uh, young people succeed and and that their life is important. And it all came out of this near-death experience he had as a little one. So um, anyways, I'm getting off of your story, but it, it was whether you see Glinda the Good Witch or it's the big face in the sky. I mean, kids have their own... Uh, ways of, of describing it, but it's very, very real. Oh, I love it. Love it. So what else do you want to tell us, my dear? Because Thank you for telling that story because I did have a remembrance. Once I realized this happened, I remembered that when I went to vacation Bible school and sang this song, mm-hmm. I loved to tell the story of unseen things above. And when they sang that, it was like, yes, yes, I do. 
<laughs> and I can't remember telling my parents about it, but I'm, I bet you anything I did. Sure. And it's very possible that they thought I was making it up. <laughs> I'm not sure, but, you know, we still do that to children who have what we call invisible friends. Yes. Which I believe are spirits that come and talk to them. And we tell the kids they're making it up, you know, that it's their imagination. Right. So <laughs> we start believing it is and it all goes away because we get busy with our day-to-day lives and, you know, all that stuff. And But I, I agree with you. I think right. kids can be really tapped into to this. We lose our ability. And animals can also detect spirits because when our loved ones die, oftentimes they will go visit one of us or... You know, and the and the littlest children actually see them. Mm. Now, some adults see their loved one also, but it's less frequent or common. But the pets see the spirit, and the little ones see the spirit, and the adults usually are just going about their business and are oblivious. But this, the person that comes back from the near-death experience tells us they went and they visited and they can tell us what everybody was wearing and what they were doing, whether they saw the person, the spirit or not. Can they you, were there. Yeah. <laughs> can you give us some um, stories from some of the people that have had near-death experiences or in, or in it somehow share also? Because, I mean, you're an advocate that life after death is real and we don't die. And just Why? And I believe you too, but there's something in the actual telling of the stories, um, whether it was you drowning or me talking about the big face uh, or even picturing the animals. There's, there's, and I'm sure you've experienced this, there's telling um, about near-death experiences and there's a whole other level of getting it and realizing it's real when you can hear a story of, of something that happened to someone else. So would you be willing to share some stories? Well, in my book, there are some stories, and um, one, which is a person that I know, um, it's a it's a different story, but I think I'd like to share his, because I've actually met him and talked to him. So many of the ones in the book, I have never personally met them, but mm-hmm. their descriptions are so powerful that the truth of what they're saying just is extremely uh, impactful for me. I really, and I have to read it over and over, and it just really gets in very deeply to hear all of these stories. But my friend um, was a successful businessman. He's older now. He's in his 80s. Um, but he was in his prime. He was a successful businessman, but he was quite the alcoholic. He didn't admit he was, but he drank a lot. And one night he almost, well, he did. He passed out from alcohol and he heard this voice and it said, quit or die. Wow. And 
you know, this isn't a typical near-death experience, but he, that voice impacted him in a way that all the human beings <laughs> who had told him, you better stop drinking so much, probably, mm-hmm. had not impacted him. And he knew that he was being spoken to by spirit and that that was a true statement. And he was not only given that guidance, but he was given the ability to quit. And from that, from the next day forward, (laughs) he never had another drink. And so this sort of, and it put him on a spiritual path because he had heard this voice talking directly to him. And so he started going to church and listening to speakers and tapes and things. And one day the speaker at a class was saying, said the words, in the presence. And when he heard those words, he flipped back into a place that he had been that night. And he felt like hands reached down and lifted his spirit out of his body and took him to a cathedral-type place with no furniture in it. You know, it's just a huge interior of a building with marble walls and floors, and there was a dais there, a platform. And on that platform was this huge ball of light. And he started moving towards that ball of light. You know, the hand set him down in front of it, and he started moving towards it. And he felt like he became one with that ball of light, that it was so powerful and so beautiful and and wise, knowledgeable, that it knew him totally but that it didn't judge him at all, that it only loved him. And so many people talk about this love that they feel. That's why I wrote my book about the love plus my own love experience. Oh, sure. But he felt that love and that unconditional love. And he knew that he was okay just exactly the way he was that if i can just cut in for a minute is such a beautiful lesson that i wish i could get and everybody listening could get that we're perfect just the way we are um my well as you were speaking i was thinking there are people um and you know i'm one of them i've got a skeptical mind usually but the think near-death experiences, when you talk about somebody who had one, whether they were drinking or whether they're doing drugs, that they're a right. byproduct of the drinking or the drugs. And what convinces me that that's not real is there is a level of clarity, understanding, remembering that isn't there <laughs> when, you know, I, I'd have never done drugs, but I have 
had my share of tipsy moments. Um, but that level of clarity isn't there when drinking or doing drugs. And so it's very much real. And then also you talk about him with the light and feeling um, this ball of glowing love, whatever. There's so many um, claims, as I'm sure you've heard stories, of these miraculous healings with near-death experiences. And I've heard of physical healings um, and people come back and they get better in record time. And I think something that you're just speaking of is he got healed of his um, addiction to alcohol. And I've never been addicted to alcohol or cigarettes, but I've I've fought my weight and battled food all of my life. And I think there's many of us that have our challenges, our addictions, so to speak, and that to have something be healed like an addiction to alcohol is every bit as much profound as having um, being cured of cancer, which has happened with people in near-death experiences or having their body come back quick after a car accident. So I want to thank you for that. And also, I would like to hear about the love and what you think is the point of all of this, because your book is based in love about love and I don't know if you looked at your emails but I just ordered a copy off your website and said could you you. sign it to Sandra yeah your website is revelationsofprofoundlove.com and and that's the name of your book as well and I know that in our episode it's kind of short that we're not going to get to hearing all your stories but um I'm excited to go on to read them so if you could tell us some of this about what you learned and what you think the point is of all of this as far as love well, it's far beyond what I originally thought I had a mystical experience when I was 32 I was in a chapel praying a little chapel and I opened my eyes and I felt a stream of love pour into me And it just kept coming until I felt like I was totally full from my feet to my head. And I could feel my heart open and soften. And then it stopped as quickly as it had begun. And I never knew where it came from or what it was. But I was filled with love. And I I walked out of that chapel and I didn't say anything to anyone For 25 years, I didn't share this. Oh, my. But I walked out, and I saw a different world, and I was a different person. And everybody that I looked at while I was driving to my job, I saw a squirrel run up a tree. I felt all this love go out of me to that squirrel. And I saw a lady waiting for the bus to go to her domestic job, wearing her uniform, and all this love went out of me to her. And I knew that I had been changed. And I, I, I really, I thought, I never knew what love was. That this is what love is. And I just felt so warm and full of it and tingly. And my vision was even better. I could see colors brighter. So I started calling it like a born again. Right, sure. But 
I feel like any of these mystical openings can open us to a whole new world that, or a way of looking at our world that we never knew existed. And I decided to investigate love. I wanted to know about the continuity of love between this side and the other side. And sure enough, I found near-death experiencers who said, love is the only thing you take with you. That love never dies. Anybody that you loved here or on the other side, you will always love them. And once you get to the other side, all of the baggage and veils and problems will fall away and the only thing that will be left is our love for each other. I love that as a woman that spends a lot of time beating up on myself and not good enough and should have done this and shouldn't have done that to have that disappear and have only love present is certainly something very profound to look forward to. But I think we can have that here, too, right? It takes well, some work, but... it's a little harder here. <laughs> no, I know. And um, I decided when, when I was writing my book, and especially near the end, I just could feel my guides there with me, and I could feel Jesus when I thought about Jesus, read stories about Jesus, I was putting him in the index. I could feel God when I wrote about people's experiences of God on the other side. You know, I just felt like I wasn't alone. I felt filled with that love again. And after I published the book, I didn't, I wasn't immersed in this material all day, every day. So I missed that. So this year I'm writing a blog about love. And my goal was to find love in my heart every day, which is my discipline of choice. (laughs) And I'm successful some days, and some days I'm not. Some days I'm working on getting rid of the anger (laughs) that's covering up some of the love. (laughs) Of course, but that's because you're human. And let me ask you a question right now. Sharing your story, are you filled with love right now? Yes. Whenever I talk about the love, I, I get a dose of it again. And the way I can tell that is I feel it in my heart sometimes. Usually I can feel my heart shift. And I also feel tingly. So I can tell when I'm connecting into that love frequency again. But holding on to it on this plane has proved more difficult than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think if it was easy, there would be no sense of coming here. But I think this here on Earth plane is where we get these learning experiences. And... Um, here's a little trick for you and for everyone listening to kind of um, invoke that love feeling inside. 
And this is also a good trick if you experience somebody who's having a bad day <laughs> or somebody who's complaining. And it can be as simple as getting into a conversation with somebody and asking them in the big picture of what they love about their life. And you might not come right out and ask that, but you might say something like, oh, you have three kids, you know, tell me about when your first child was born. And the person, you know, I was talking to a man who was just in a grumpy mood and I couldn't get him off it. And oh my God, I wanted to kill the guy. And then I thought, well, Sandra, I know this practice. So he and I just said, oh, you're married. Yeah. How many kids? Oh, four. And I said, oh, what was that like the first time, you know, your first child? Well, he ended up transforming into the most beautiful, loving man by telling his own story. And the rest of the time I spent with him, he was asking me about my life and what I love. And so we can it's really like putting in a practice to be loving. Okay. And I think by you writing another, uh, writing more, right, having your blog, and even selfishly, I can be honest, part of me creating this radio show is I too forget. I forget that I wrote a book and I'm living my day forgetting that there's some bigger picture. And every guest I've interviewed, I get goosebumps. I'm restored again to the bigger picture. And we are human beings and we do have bad days and we do forget, but to have some kind of practice putting in that we remember who we are. So I, I do try to keep these yeah. interviews on the shorter side and our time is just about up, Anne. Um, but it's, it's maybe even listening to this show or as you're driving in the car, having a book on tape or something that can be inspiring and can um, invoke that love response in you because Anne, we've never met and I am feeling so much love right now it's awesome I know it feels so good and my book is on tape on CD that you can play in your car and I've got an mp3 version that you can put on your computer and listen to me reading it how do we get that that's on my website okay. also that's one of the options I didn't look. I just ordered the book because I like holding something in my hand. But that's the website. From revelationsofprofoundlove.com. Perfect. Well, Anne, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for thank being you. here and sharing such wonderful stories and experiences and giving your life for love. You are indeed one of the folks that I spoke about at the beginning of the show that after You've had your experiences. Now give this away to others to make a difference. So thank you for that. And in closing, I want to remind our guests to go to wedontdieradio.com um, where you can find out more about Ann Ellis and her book and her links to the YouTube videos. You can also join what I call the Insiders Club. And I have free monthly prizes uh, just as a thank you. And they're all things about life after death, of course. And I'll keep you posted on who's on the show. And I'd like to end with a quote that I found on, El on Ann Ellis's website. We don't die. The nature of profound love is greater than we ever imagined. Profound love has higher qualities. Profound love emanates from many sources. We are all one and love is our essence. There is a reason and a purpose for everything. In life, love is most important. 
So I'm Sandra Champlain and I invite you today to look for examples of love, get in a conversation with someone to bring out some love in them, and what action can you take to be loving? So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.